Kids be dismissed. Great job singing. Thank you, Jason, Renee, Jace, and Savannah. And thank you, Inslee, for not singing along as well. Philippians chapter 4. Today, Philippians chapter 4. We are finishing up Philippians uh, today. You say, Pastor, what are we going to do next week? I don't know yet. Let's come back, <laughs> come back next week and find out. <laughs> Me too. Um, no, I'm just kidding. We got uh, December is upon us um, this week. Hard to believe. And uh, we'll be looking at some, uh, more than likely, some Christmas topics uh, in the morning service next week. We might wait an extra week on that, but uh, excited about what is uh, uh, the season that we're moving towards, right? So I'm, I'm a big proponent of let's get through Thanksgiving before we do Christmas. I've talked about that um, uh, before, and it's not biblical or anything. It's just a personal preference. And uh, now we are full Christmas mode. Uh, and uh, so, uh, so I'm looking forward. I love December. Um, when we think of Christmas, oftentimes, you know, we're thinking about um, the birth of Christ, which is the, the key, key point, the focal point of Christmas. But there is so much more wrapped into the Christmas story uh, that, uh, that I, don't, I don't think we overlook, but I don't, I don't know um, if you do or not, but uh, we're going to talk about it uh, in December. So looking forward to that as well. You have the journey of the wise men. You have the uh, shepherds and the angels. You have uh, the story behind um, the family of Mary and uh, so much going on. John, uh, John the Baptist is born in the same uh, time frame around as well, and just so much going on within the story along, as well as all the promises that come with Christmas. And so really looking forward to that time uh, as well. But today we're in Philippians chapter 4, and uh, I've got six things out of these last several verses that I want us to look at, encouragements for Christians, um, and, and I've been able to alliterate them all, which is not normal for me. Usually I can alliterate a couple points, but always fail on the rest of them. So uh, today we're going to be looking at, at one word, well two words, but one, one word, be. A Christian should be. And then the rest of the words start with the letter C. So hey, look at there. We're, we're making some progress. All right, uh, let's read starting in verse number 10. Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse number 10. The Bible says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction, now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that yet may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphrodites the things which were sent from you, an odor of sweet, smelling, uh, sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. 
The brethren which are with me greet you. All the saints salute you chiefly. They that are of the house are of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Lord, I pray for your help this morning as we conclude the book of Philippians. And Lord, I've learned much from this uh, over the last several weeks. And I pray that today uh, we would learn. I pray that today we would be encouraged. Lord, today I pray we'd be challenged by your word. Help me as I present these verses to do it clearly and to do it correctly. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. A Christian should be. The church of Philippi here, as Paul is writing and given to us through the inspiration of God, we see here many instructions given throughout the book of Philippians. And we close out the book by a little bit more of an encouragement, I guess. It's a, the conclusion of the, the letter. And uh, Paul is kind of wrapping up some thoughts and some different things here. But in it, I believe we can see six things, maybe more, but six things that a Christian ought to be. Number one, a Christian ought to be caring. A Christian ought to be caring. Again, in verse number 10, the Bible says, But I received in the Lord greatly, that now at the last of your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. So he's bringing up the point that he is excited that, uh, that maybe it's been a little while since he's heard from or received things from the church at Philippi, but he has again now, and he's excited about that. In verse number 14, he goes on, he says, Notwithstanding ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. When I was going through hardships, and now that I am going through hardship, you are communicating with me. Verse 15, uh, Now ye Philippians knew also... That in the beginning of the gospel, when I de departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. Then in verse number 16, he says, For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity. The church at Philippi was a church that was a caring church. They cared for other people. We support missionaries, and in the same sense, I believe the church at Philippi did things to help in support of Paul. In his ministry, in his life, the needs that he had, they cared for him and they took care of him with those needs. In verse 10, like I said, it said that it's been a little while, but they are again taking care of him. In verse number 14, he says, you've done well to communicate with me. You know, there's so much about a Christian uh, that can be um, encouraging just through communication. And nowadays it's so easy with a text message or an email. You can do a phone call, you can write a letter. I talk with missionaries all the time, and when they talk about what is most encouraging to them is receiving a note from a church, uh, a member of a church that supports them, or anybody for that matter, but receiving a note, whether it be a handwritten letter, an email, a message through, uh, uh, through online, or whatever it is, that's what they love most. There's a church in Cincinnati uh, that it's a great missions church, and they have this, uh, we're, not, we're not rich enough for this, but they have this big um, screen, or maybe this is in Virginia, actually, uh, big, big television, it's a touchscreen television, and uh, they have like a map that has their missionaries on there, and you can touch the missionary, uh, and it pops up uh, an email, and you can click on the email thing, and right there on the big touchscreen, you can send them an email, and they send it off, and they encourage their people to do that uh, each week when they're at their church. And, uh, you know, there's so many different ways to communicate with people, but when we care for them, we are going to communicate with them. When we truly care about how they're doing, we're going to communicate that with them. And Paul here was going through an affliction, and he had gone through uh, previous afflictions, and this church was caring, and they communicated with him. Then, 
in verse number 15, he says, you're the only church that talked to me about things that I needed. You gave and things that you needed that I could send to you. You're the only church that did that. Think about all the churches that Paul was involved with, that Paul was going around and helping start churches and helping strengthen churches that were already started. And he says, of all the churches that I've been to, you're the only one at the beginning that was communicating with me on what I needed and what you needed and how you could give and what you could receive and back and forth. It shows that caring mentality. Then in verse number seven, uh, 16, excuse me, he says, in Thess- when I was in Thessalonica, you sent not just once but again multiple gifts to help out in my needs there. See, the church of Philippi here is a great example of what we should be, and that is to be caring, to show, show care towards one another. We get to the holiday season, and so many people feel a little bit more charitable around the holiday season. I don't know if they're doing it this year or not, but uh, uh, you walk up to the store and you hear the bell ringing and Santa Claus is out there ringing his bell and, and, uh, and, and or the guy dressed up like Santa Claus and he's out there ringing the bell and, and people drop in their loose change and they drop in some dollar bills and different things and uh, they feel a little bit more charitable. Thanksgiving time, a lot of people give food and canned goods and things like that to those in need. Um, and around this, this time, a lot of people are helping with the homeless and giving sleeping bags or blankets or jackets or different things like that, shoes, all kinds of different things because people are feeling more charitable. But, you know, a Christian ought to be caring year-round. There ought to be, when there's a need that can be helped by us, we ought to help. It's why we specifically set aside money for our missionaries if something comes up along the way that we can help with. We already have budgeted money that we can help with. Then other times we take up gifts to try to help with other needs as well. A Christian ought to be caring. Number two, a Christian ought to be content. A Christian ought to be content. Number two, a Christian ought to be content. You're not taking notes today? No, okay. All right, I was just trying to help. Uh, The teenagers get get points for taking notes. That's why I was doing that. All right, verse number 11. Uh, The Bible says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, Therewith to be content. He says in verse 12, I know both how to be abased or in need of, and I know how to abound or to be in abundance of. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Uh, you know, we can joke about Thanksgiving. I'm always full but still hungry, right? Uh, you got that pile of food. We've been eating the leftovers all weekend long. The kids are tired of it. I'm, I'm not quite there yet, but uh, uh, nonetheless... We see here this idea of being content. Being content with God provides. Being with, content with where God puts me. Being content with, with the life that God has given me. He says, no matter what state I'm in, he's not talking about Iowa. It's hard to be content in Iowa. Uh, but he's not talking about that. He's saying, whatever state of my life that I'm in, whatever situation I'm in, wherever I'm at, I have learned there I should be content. He says, I know both how to be abased in need of and how to abound an abundance of. He says, but I'm instructed to be both full and to be hungry. To be content with what God gives me and yet to desire what God can give me. He talks about this idea of, of, uh, of being content and the need, need to do so. It's something that Christians oftentimes struggle with. The world tells you you need more. Always. The world tells you you need more. You go find the richest person in the world and you ask them, how much is too much money? They'll say, there isn't, there's no such thing. I need more. 
And they constantly strive in their life to earn more and earn more and earn more and get more and get more and get more. If you give a person a meal, they're going to want more. If you give a person uh, a handshake, they're going to want more. If you give a person anything, it's natural for us to desire more. Yet, God says, um, you need to learn how to live when you're in need of things as well as when you're in abundance of things. To be content with what you have. To be content with where you are. Paul, if we look through, and I didn't write them down, but if you look through all the things that Paul went through, he went through a lot of struggles, a lot of hardships, uh, a lot of physical beatings, a lot of dangerous situations. But he also was in a lot of situations that were very good, especially in that day and time. Uh, uh, for the life that he lived, the ministry that he had, he had a lot of moments in his life as well where I believe he did uh, abound. He had abundance of. He, didn't, he wasn't in need of anything. He had everything that he could possibly uh, desire at that moment in time. He says, so I know how to live, and I've been in the experience of when I've been in need of. I've also had the experience of when I had an abundance of. He said, but whatever state I'm in, whether it's in need or in abundance, I'm to be content. I'm to be content with that. We have to, to make sure that our priorities and our motives are lined up with God. Because oftentimes we can get uh, uh, caught in the trap of the I need more. I need more. I've learned in my life that I have things that I don't need. I would assume we're all that way. We've got things that we don't need. We have it because we want it. And it's nice to have. It makes life a little better and things like that. But at the end of the day, if I had to get rid of it, I could because I don't need it. Right? We have games that we don't need. We have... Uh, objects that we don't need. We have kids that, no, wait, no, no. Uh, we have, uh, we have uh, other things in our lives that just aren't necessary. It doesn't mean that it's wrong to have them. I'm not, not saying get rid of them. But God says, well, what you do have, be content with it. Understand that, that a Christian ought to always be content with what God has provided for them. Be caring. Be content. Number three, be confident. Be confident. Verse number 13 the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. This is one of the most commonly uh, used verses that gets used incorrectly because you hear lost people, uh, people who are not children of God, they say, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Uh, you can have people who uh, are, are playing a sports game and they say, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I'm telling you, God does not care if your team wins a football game. Uh, I promise he doesn't, as a matter of fact. Um, but he cares about how you live your life, and he cares about uh, the things that you're doing for him. And here, Paul says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthened me. It's coming off the, the thought of uh, to be content with what I have, with what God has given me, to be full and to be hungry, to be uh, in need of and to be in abundance of. It doesn't matter those things because I can do all things through Christ which strengthened me, which gives me the strength, the Christ that gives me the strength I can do. No matter the situation of life I'm in, no matter the circumstance I'm in, no matter the amount of things that I have, I can do what God wants me to do by His strength and in His strength alone. As a Christian, we should be confident that when God tells us to do something, we can do it. We should be confident that when God says go here, we can go there and God will take care of the needs. As a Christian, we should be confident in God and less confident in ourselves. Understanding that by God, 
and in God and through God, I can do all the things that he desires for me to do because he's the one that's giving me the strength to do it. We have sometimes uh, um, where uh, God says, I want you to do this in the church, uh, serve in this way. And we say, well, God, I don't know that I can do that. I haven't uh, practiced that in a while or I haven't done that in a long time or maybe you've never done it before. You say, well, God, I just I don't know that I can do that. And God says, I don't care if you can do it. I'm telling you to do it. I want you to do it. And if you'll do it, I'll take care of it for you. And that doesn't mean if we've never played the piano before and God says, I want you to play the piano, that we can just walk up here on Sunday and play the piano, right? Uh, but what it does mean is God says, if I'm calling you to do it, I'm going to give you what you need to do it. You say, but God, you don't understand. I'm not, I don't like being in front of people. It doesn't matter. You do it. I'll give you the strength to do it. Well, God, you don't understand. I, I'm, I'm not really a, a kid person. It doesn't matter. If I'm telling you to do it, you do it, and I'll give you the strength to do it. Well, God, I've never really uh, uh, done that sort of thing for a church before, helping in maintenance or different things like that. It doesn't matter. If you'll do what I tell you to do, I'll give you the strength to do it. Be confident in God. The God that calls you, be confident in that God. The God who created you, be confident in that God. The God who saved you, be confident in that God. A Christian ought to be caring. A Christian ought to be content. A Christian ought to be confident. Number four, a Christian ought to be complementary. Now, see, I may stretch this one a little bit to get a C word, but complementary. Um, uh, look at verse 17. It says, Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all in abound. I'm full, having received of Epaphrodites. Uh, the things which were sent from you, an odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable and well-pleasing to God. Paul here, he says, I don't receive for me. I receive so that God will bless you. You see, a lot of times, uh, you've probably heard, it's better to give a gift than receive a gift. I argue that sometimes, but uh, uh, it depends on the gift. But uh, uh, it's... It, it oftentimes is such a, a blessing, right? When we're able to give someone something and we see that they need it or they wanted it and we see the joy on their face, boy, that's encouraging to us. But even more so than that, God says, you give as I tell you to give and I will bless you. I will reward you. I will provide for you. You see, Paul did what he did asked the church for the things that he needed because he knew the church would be blessed for providing it for him. And here, Paul is saying all this, I don't, I don't receive for my own gain, not because I desire a gift, but I desire that fruit or fruit may abound to your account. He understood, Paul did, that this church was going to be helped by God because of their helping someone else. I was always raised under the teaching that you cannot afford not give um, you have people you know and I've seen this in my own life where uh, end of the month and God says I want you to give this this amount in the offering whether maybe it's a love offering or something like that and uh, and God says I want you to give this amount and you go but if I give that amount then I'm not going to have that money for this need later this week or next week or whatever it may be from personal experience I can tell you that if you obey God God provides it I remember uh, early on in our marriage, 
Um, we were at the, the camp, working at the camp. We didn't get paid a lot at the camp. We had housing was provided for us, so that was very, very helpful and different things. But nonetheless, I remember there was a, an offering at church, and, and uh, me and Katie were talking about what to give. And she said, she said well, you know, we, if we give this, honestly, I don't think that we're going to have money for groceries the rest of the week. Um, and so we're going to have to kind of stretch things out to make this last week uh, work for us food-wise. And, uh, and we prayed about it, and so God told us to give, so we gave it. Um, that afternoon after church, someone said, hey, would you like to go out to eat with us? We're, we're paying. Sure. Monday came. My parents lived on the property at the camp as well. Hey, you want to come over for supper Monday night? Yeah. Yeah, we do. <laughs> and it just, it just, that's the way it worked out. God provided so that we had enough of what we needed to get through to the next paycheck. You know, it's one of those things where, and I'm not saying that's the how it's going to work every single time, but I do promise you God's going to take care of you. And we talk about uh, giving, and, and, and sometimes, you know, we get caught on the uh, uh, different things, and, well, you don't understand my situation. And you know what? It doesn't matter if I understand your situation. It's that fact that God understands your situation. And whether it be money, whether it be time, whether it be of abilities, whatever it is, if God says to give it, he's going to give you what you need to replace what you're giving. And here we have to understand that, because Paul understood that here when he's talking to the church. He says in verse 18, I have all, and I abound. I'm in abundance. I am full, having received these things that you sent me. And then he says, an odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. He understood that what they were sending to him was sacrificial on their end. That it wasn't something that they just had overabundance of, and that's what they sent. It was, it was something that they had, something that they could use, yet they sacrificed it, they gave it to him. And so he uses the picture of the, of the incense that would burn uh, in, the, in the tabernacle in the Old Testament, a sweet-smelling odor, a savor. There, and then he says, a sacrifice acceptable and well-pleasing to God. He says, your gifts, they have been seen and accepted by God. He sees them as good. He's going to take care of you. So the things that you do in your life, the motive behind the decisions that you make, do them to help other people. Don't be the person that's always asking to receive. Be the person that gives also. If you have a need, by all means, ask, but be a person that gives and help others as well. Number five, number five, um, look in verse 19. And this kind of goes back to, to uh, our third point of be confident. But in verse number 19, it says, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. It's, it's fitting right in there uh, with with the reason why Paul is, is, is receiving from this church, he says, with you giving to me, my God will supply all of your needs according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. You give, God will give. You sacrifice, God will supply. You care for others, God will care for you. It's very simple. This verse here is, is again, just it's a good reminder for us that God can and God will supply your needs according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. 
sometimes we give thinking about how we can uh, uh, supply it for ourselves. Okay, I can give this amount because this week I can go and work some overtime. Okay, well, that's not, that's not depending on God to supply your needs. Now, maybe God will say, uh, you give and I'll supply overtime. That, that's a possibility. But when we're trying to work it out, it's not being confident in what God can do for us. And at the same time, it's not really being complimentary and helping other people either. We're, we're kind of thinking about ourselves through all that. But Paul says, God says, think about this for a moment. This, this struck me last night when I was thinking on these, these verses. I believe all scripture is given by inspiration of God. The Bible tells us that. Meaning that God breathed the words that we have today. Now, he, it's been translated into English for us. but uh, So what we have in front of us is, is here because God told someone to put it down for us to have. So if you look at this and say, well, Paul says that my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches. Understand that God told Paul to write, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches. God is saying to you, God is saying to me, I will take care of you. So go ahead and help other people. Go ahead and be giving. Go ahead and be sacrificial as I'm going to take care of your needs. Lastly today, be constant. Be constant. A lot of, uh, of, of us as Christians, we are, have go through cycles of faithfulness, cycles of love, cycles of caring, cycles of different things, but, but we fail to be constant or consistent. We have too many uh, dips in our life and, and not enough just level consistency. One of the things that, that struck me, I was going to skip these last verses because uh, it's just the conclusion of the letter. As he says in verse 20, uh, Now unto God and our Father, there be glory forever and ever. Amen. Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are uh, with me greet you, and all the saints salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. It's a long way of saying love Paul. All right? Uh, it's a long, long, long way of closing out the, 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 the letter here. And I read through these passages uh, nearly every day this week, uh, just reading through it as my devotions this week. I, I just read through these verses every day, each day. And uh, towards the end of the week, this, this kind of hit me um, in verse 22. He says, all the saints salute you, everyone that's here, all the other Christians, they're saying hello, um, how you doing, those kinds of things. He says, chiefly, they that are of Caesar's household. The Christians that are of Caesar's household. Caesar at that time was Nero. Nero is not a uh, wonderful leader for the Christian people. Um, yet here he says the saints, the Christians, that are of Caesar's household. How do you think Caesar's household became Christians? It's not talking about his relatives. I don't believe. I've, I tried to study it out some, and I believe it's probably more so like the servants and things like that that, are, that work in Caesar's house. How in the world did they hear uh, the gospel? How in the world did they become Christians? I believe with all my heart it's because of 
the consistency of Paul's testimony. I believe it's because Paul witnessed no matter where he went. We read in uh, uh, other passages of Paul's trial uh, when he's brought in before the Senate and he's sitting there uh, uh, talking with them. He goes through the gospel. He talks about his life and in that he's, he's, giving, he's preaching as he's giving his testimony uh, to the judges that are going to ultimately uh, sentence him uh, to, to death. And he's sitting there and, and, and he's taking that opportunity as he's speaking to the most powerful people in Rome, and he's telling them about God. You see, Paul, no matter the situation in life he was in, he was constant. Paul was not perfect. Even after his salvation, Paul was not perfect. Paul, Paul was still a, a man. He still made mistakes. But one thing that you can say consistently about Paul is that he was, he was constant. No matter what he was doing, he was sharing the gospel. No matter what he was doing, he had God on his mind, God as a priority, God as a focus. And we should be the same way. We will, we will uh, be in a conversation with someone that turns into an argument, whether it be about politics or whether it be about how they drove or whether it be about how they work or whatever it is, and we get into these, these arguing moments and, and Paul's, he wasn't that way. Paul said this is an opportunity to share the gospel. We waste so many opportunities, whether it be through arguing, whether it be through just empty conversation, whether it be through um, ignoring someone, whatever it is, we waste opportunity upon opportunity upon opportunity to share the gospel. Oftentimes we are consistently failing. And when I say be constant, I don't mean constantly fail. <laughs> be constantly sharing the gospel. Be constantly speaking of Christ. Be constantly showing forth Christ in your life. Be constant. Because here we see that whether it was Paul or someone else, someone got to Caesar's household and shared the gospel with them, and now there are people in Caesar's household that are saying to the church of Philippi, Hello, we greet you. Hope things are going well. It also, you can look at it the other way around and understand that the church of Philippi had such a good testimony that even people in Caesar's household knew about them. But you see, as Christians, we ought to be constant. We ought to be consistent. We ought to be caring. We ought to be content. We ought to be confident, we ought to be complimentary, and we ought to be constant. Those are the things out of this passage that I believe we can learn or be reminded of. Paul here, he was just thankful for this church. And in his mind, he's just thanking them for all that they've done for them. But amongst it, God has given us examples to follow, thoughts to apply to our lives, to be the Christian that God wants us to be. God, I pray for your help. I pray that you'd help us to be what you want us to be. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be a more caring people. Lord, that we would be a content people, that we would be confident in what you've done for us and who you are. God, that we'd be thinking of other people, trying to help them. And God, may we be consistent in our lives, that we'd live a life that is consistent for you, with a testimony that is true, Lord, with a testimony that is godly. God, help us to be a better witness sharing with other people your love and, Lord, the salvation that you offer. And, God, I pray that you'd help us to be what we ought to be today.
with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, we're not going to have an invitation today. But I just want to ask you this before we close. Are you being what God wants you to be? If you're not, I pray that today you would just uh, go to God and ask Him, Lord, help me to be this, what you what want me to be, what you've told me today that you want me to be. I know that we can all agree um, that we can probably be a better witness for God, that we've probably missed opportunities. We haven't taken the opportunities that God's given us to witness to certain people in our lives. Let's pray and ask God for His help to be more consistent. I'm challenged by Paul's testimony. I'm challenged by Paul's example of no matter the situation that he's in, he's always got God on his mind. May we do better at that. May we be the Christian that God wants us to be. If you're not a Christian today, I pray that today you'd understand before you can be all these things, before you can have God supply your every needs, before uh, uh, you can do all things through Christ, you first have to be in Christ, be a child of God. And if you're not, I pray that today you'd, you'd come talk to me, and I'd be happy to show you from the Bible how you can know for certain that you're saved. But if you are a Christian today, let's make sure that we commit to be the one that God wants us to be. God, help us with all these things. Lord, help us to apply the truths that you've spoken to us about today to our lives and that we can be the Christian that we should be, the Christian that this world desperately needs to show forth the light of your love and of your saving grace. Lord, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, thank you for your good attention today. We'll be back at 1 o'clock. If you can come, we'd sure love to have you. And uh, until next time, Lord bless you. Let's be dismissed.